0: Welcome back to Expert Instruction, the Teach by Design podcast where we dive deeper into the research surrounding student behavior by talking with the people implementing these practices, where they work, and with the students they support. I'm Megan Cave. And I'm Nadia Sampson. Guys, it's a Monday. We're recording today on a Monday morning, and I've got real Monday vibes happening. I just, everything is so (laughs) cold in this office. There's a draft. I just, you know what I need is I just wish that everything was so much cozier. (laughs) I wish that like, so like, I wish I had a fireplace and maybe some, some cookies in the oven and there that I see, like, I feel like a cat curled up on my lap. And basically Nat, I just need to come to your house. I think basically what I'm saying is I would like to be at your house right now. Girl, I got you. Yeah, I got good. you. I
1: am happy to throw some cookies, some <laughs> banana bread, throw a cat on your lap, whatever you need, girlfriend. I got I'll take you.
0: it. I'll take <laughs> it all. I'll take it all. Well, okay. Well, we're here. We made it. And here we are. Today, we've got part two of our discussion with Sean and Maria. We started out in the first part last time. Uh, talking with them about vulnerable decision points or VDPs. We learned what they are. We learned about some of the common VDPs that schools experience. We talked a little bit about the benefits of checking for VDPs in your equity work. And we talked about how to start the sometimes challenging conversations and the self-reflection that's necessary before we start jumping into solutions, like what can we do to solve this problem? And after that conversation, I know that I personally found myself in the middle of lots of situations where I was like, ah, oh, this is a VDP." <laughs> and I mean, honestly, it felt kind of nerdy to like think about that to myself. <laughs> I was like, who calls them the that? But I, I, it's true. I noticed it. I noticed it more after our conversation. Uh, it was so helpful too, because just the awareness of being in that moment, it brought me out of my unconscious reaction where I was just like flailing around like a crazy adult. And it it brought me to a more thoughtful and deliberate place. Like, oh, I need to I need to stop what I'm doing right now and like be thought, more thoughtful about what I'm doing. What about you, Nad? Did you notice yeah.
1: that? Yeah, I really did. I really did. You know, um, I do a lot of trainings yes. and I notice when I'm in trainings, as mm-hmm. I was last week, yes. where if I'm feeling rushed, Mm-hmm. Or if I don't think I quite know the answer, or I've got my agenda, or mm-hmm. I've got the the standard answer, or, yeah. hey, that's on our website. You know, when people yeah. are asking questions in those trainings, I can find myself really not paying attention. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to get to the next thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and that's not always fair. And right. it really At does. At the beginning like- of your training, you feel like you've got some stronger questions or the yeah. ability to answer those questions in a, in a more thoughtful way. And by the end, you're just, oh, like, I'm just like, um, yeah, time's up. <laughs> oh, geez. I gotta I'm go on. <laughs> you know, check the website. I'm sure there's some answers there. Exactly. Let me get back to that. And uh-huh. I don't get back to it or something. No. Like that. And so yeah. some people get their, their questions answered thoughtfully. And some and- don't. Some people just don't get an answer at all. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So with all that in mind, we're back today with Sean and Maria Mm -hmm. to talk about uh, one solution and it's called a neutralizing routine. And we shared a little bit about it in our Teach by Design article this month. But here today, Sean and Maria are going to fill us in on how they've worked with school teams to implement a school-wide routine based on the school-wide VDP vulnerable decision point identified mm-hmm. in their data.
0: Yeah. And then at the end of the episode, the four of us found ourselves asking a much bigger question, which was how does all of this work address the larger systemic inequalities in education? And that we wondered if by calling these VDPs or our implicit bias or our unconscious bias, are we actually skirting the real problems that we're trying to solve, right? And spoiler Spoiler alert. We didn't actually land on one answer or another. It was a good conversation. But Sean and Maria brought us right back to the real purpose in this work around VDPs and neutralizing routines, which is that we have to just find a place to start. Okay team, so we're back we're back at this. We're going to keep going in our conversation. So, once we've done all of these bits, right? We've we've looked at our data. We've identified some points during the day that are more vulnerable to our unconscious implicit bias than others. And we've had some conversations with each other as adults about what's going on for us in those times and doing a bit of self-reflection on on the part the The role that we play that contributes to the outcomes that we see with students so at this point like I think we're in a place where it's sort of a now what situation are we ready then as a group like once we've done all of that are we in a place to start talking about solutions is that where we go Oh, oh yeah I love that I love that
3: Definitely. We do not want to leave them hanging with like, oh, yeah, you're all that." Yeah. Good luck.
0: To we do. You. And good luck to you. And figure uh, it out. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you get something figured out. So what are the one of the solutions that we brought up last time we talked um, was a neutralizing routine as a way to interrupt the vulnerable decision point. So can you guys help us with what is that? What is a neutralizing routine? So it's
3: exactly that, as you mentioned, I think it's it's a, it's a self-management strategy, essentially, that you're using at this moment in this routine where you identify you're more vulnerable to reacting and your implicit bias, um, kind of like determining like your act for you, right? Right. Um, and when you're thinking of a neutralising thing, you're thinking of something that's brief brief that gives you or puts in place enough time for your brain to go from an automatic reaction into this space of making more conscious reactions instead and that's like about 28 30 seconds you know um so it's something that's brief um tasks clear steps to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then essentially you're just interrupting like that, that, that your go-to reaction.
0: Got you. So let's take, let's use an example um, as we talk through this. So Sean, from your work, you had identified that, was it defiance or disruption all day long is a problem?
2: <laughs> defiance. Defiance, defiance in labor- the classroom
0: anytime during the day. So let's pick a time. Let's say at the end of the class, let's say. Uh, so we know that like at the end of class, we've got some behaviors that I would identify, let's say as defiance. So kids are pa- my kids are packing up their stuff, let's say, before the bell has rung. They see that there's three minutes left of class and they're starting to shuffle their stuff around, right? And I know that that's a problem for me because I still I'm still talking um and so what you're saying maria is that i need to plan out something that i'm going to do to keep me from losing it in that moment and making having like a, an automatic reaction to the paper shuffle um that is more what calm or instructive or what is my goal there
3: it can be definitely um both or just starting with just calming you know like just taking care of yourself in that moment taking some deep breaths
0: whatever it is that I choose to do it has to be short I heard you say it has to be something that's quick Mm -hmm. it has to be something that has some steps to it but just Mm -hmm. a few probably if it's quick so just like a couple of steps that I can remember and it has to interrupt whatever my automatic reaction would be which maybe to like yell or say hey Mm -hmm. you know Instead of doing that, I need to do something different. I think that was it, right? Yeah, pretty much. Can anything be considered a neutralizing routine? Ned had a funny example the other day when we were talking about this. What did you say you would do? Like sometimes what you do in those moments, Ned? Oh gosh. I think it was like, what if I just walk away? Oh yeah. yeah, I was like, yeah, that might that might work, but maybe you have to come back also. Like, <laughs> right? And just walking away, ignore, or just walking away and
1: going, I'm not going to engage in this. And actually, discussion. is that like, a
0: normalizing routine? Is that it's a neutralizing not- routine, or are there things that maybe we do that, like, is there a non example? Let's oh, say, yeah. For sure. Yeah. You're, you know,
3: not just to, to your example, you know, and, and that, you know, walking away for that moment, you know, it's still something that you're doing for, to yourself, you know, like you're not doing anything. It's not something that's done to us, or you're not doing anything to someone else. You're, you're taking an action that's for you. So walking away, even if it's like maybe around the classroom or just, you know, paying attention to someone else Mm -hmm. as you're, Continuing speaking or something you know like that's still part of a neutralizing routine you're still keeping the student in the classroom instead of excluding them while doing that right and maybe let's say as they're um, I know I'm mixing examples here okay. but like a student is about you know cleaning up already and your natural reaction would be to like I don't know just call them out or, mm-hmm. or single them out for that action in front of everyone and you know that might engage in you're not doing that, you know, you're, you know, students still within the class, still listening to, to the conversation or whatever it's going on. And it's still brief, you know, yeah. um, sure. you, you know, you're giving yourself some moment to maybe, you know, um, you know, calm yourself down and then ask them to like, Hey, can can we talk, you know, after we're, we're, we we'll wrap up here instead, you know, like, and then, you might not be addressing it in that moment, but you're also indicating that there, you will be addressing and having a conversation with them, mm-hmm. probably in a more private way, in a more respectful way, instead of in front of everyone, which students hate to be put in that. Me type too, of spot. by <laughs> the once, way. You're <laughs> right,
0: not <I'm just> <laughs> anyone
3: probably. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So that could be that could be the routine, and so basically, it's not it's not the full scope of things. This is just what we're doing to get ourselves collected and make a a, a specific decision uh, instead of a reactionary one mm-hmm. that we are being deliberate in our yeah. in our actions. So this is not problem-solving and a behavior. It's actually just getting us to a place where we know that the yeah. decision we're making is a, like the actual choice and for not sure. just our reaction to the context.
3: Yeah. One of my favorite examples that a teacher chair once um, in a trainer was a high school teacher, for instance, you know, how we, you know, in high school, Students already look like they're more adults than not, but they're they still children, right? Mm-hmm. So I love this teacher's example, cause she used visuals. She asked her students to give her a picture of them when they were like little, like in yeah. elementary school or something. Yeah. Um, and she had them like near like her desk area and stuff. And when they would, you know, do something that would get on her nerves, like she would stop to look at their picture yes. and remind herself, like, this, this is still a child. <laughs> this is still a, a student who needs, you know, instruction and practice. And I need to remember that. um, And just give herself some instance to kind of like remind her, mm-hmm. herself of like who's in front of her um, and empathize or, you know, reframe, you know, like move from oh my God, you should know this already. Come on yeah. to, you know, go about instructional problem. Like what should you do? Instead? Or mm-hmm. I don't know, something yeah. along those lines that, that, that would instead engage the student in, you know, in practicing a skill that they're not showing in that moment. But for her to be able to do that, she kind of like knew she needed to prompt herself and remind herself like, these are still, so Little kids. kids. Yeah. Little people that are learning and I'm here to teach them. (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So Maria, I've heard you talk though, about uh, a couple of different strategies. And I remember I I read an article of yours about neutralizing routines and there are three different types. Is that Mm -hmm. right? That you guys have kind of focused in on that are strategies that work. What are those three different types of routines?
3: Yeah. So one of them is Delaying, you know, delaying your response. You know, giving yourself like some some time, a couple of seconds, until you can like think a little bit clearly.
0: Something um, to delay the response.
3: Yeah, you're delaying. Okay. Moving that from that automatic to a, a different conscious decision. You can reframe the situation. So sometimes, you know, like the picture of the students. You know, she's. Reframing these are students, these are kids, and still teaching. You can think of them, you know. Sometimes it's a matter like I I care a lot about you, yet what you're doing is not right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So let's talk about it, you know. And you're combining there, right? Reframing. You're you're still putting in front of whatever you're gonna say. How much you're trying to be, you know. You're being empathetic. You're you're communicating that you care about them. Yet you're gonna. Address the situation, even if it's a little bit later, right? Yeah. So you you can reframe the situation. Some people use examples as like react as if the student is in physical pain and 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 you're taking care of it in that moment. It kind of puts you in a different mindset.
0: Um well, like th- asking, like, are you okay? Is everything okay? <laughs> right.
3: Or like, yeah. oh my god, you what's need wrong? How yeah. can I help?
0: Yeah. Exactly.
3: Um, and then just d- take care of yourselves you know and and we 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 talk of this example you're in an airplane an emergency is occurring you first have to put your mask right before you can take care of like the kid that's next to you or someone else right so mm-hmm. taking deep breath recognizing that you're upset um and taking a deep breath to let those go um, or modeling, modeling the 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 reset strategy mm-hmm. that you you chose or your faculty chose together as the school wide neutralizing routine. So those those are three general ways that we think about it.
0: Just- so Nat, I think your your strategy of walking away is the delay tactic. <laughs> I oh, think so- you're you're postponing your <laughs> actual reaction by like leaving right
1: (laughs) so i just i just want to clear so delay reframe
0: Reframe. what did i miss self-management i think so take
3: care of yourself yeah Yeah. Yeah. okay okay yeah yeah i like that whole
1: idea too of and i think this is this is part of the struggle we sometimes have is behaviors communication And trying to figure out what is this kiddo trying to let me know and trying, even just saying what you said is like, are you okay? What's going on? I'm noticing that, or Mm -hmm. um, that even just saying it to yourself, even if you don't say it out loud to the kid of just having that conversation with yourself, is like, what is going on right now for this kiddo? I'm going to take a minute and try to see if I can tap into that um, so that I can better meet their needs.
0: I think what's so nice too about having these options is that you can find something that feels like a natural way for you to handle that moment for you personally, you know? So for me, I would find myself, I think reframing often or um, or just trying to like take a breath and take care of myself or just notice that I'm, I'm escalating um, in the situation. Um, But you know, other people might, just need to like say out loud, like, uh, I need, I can't handle this right now. I can't talk to you about this right now, but I'd like to talk to you about it later would be a different strategy that would work for other people. So it's nice to know that there are lots of different ways. And Maria, you just mentioned uh, coming up with a school-wide routine. Yeah, how do you do that? Are you talking about like, (laughs) you've got one routine that everybody does?
3: basically um they did the, the, you know I, we've seen this work in in different ways um but definitely we we encourage you know we usually have folks working rate level teams or kind of like depending of middle school or high school might be departments um and and think about what might be a neutralizing routine that works for them a certain group mm-hmm. and sometimes um everyone put every you know every group put their theirs out there and we talk and try to come to a consensus and pick you know a, a, a neutralizing routine for the whole school Interesting. Um, and if someone is very attached to a particular one then we encourage them to you know like that might be your personal one that you're you're, you're using maybe more automatically, but as a school, right, as a student transition between places, you know, we want to maintain a, um, consistent language. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Yeah.
3: How do
0: you know when it's working?
3: Usually the outcome is not worse. (laughs) (laughs) It usually make things, more amicable
0: <laughs> for yeah. folks. So is there is how do you know that that's going on? Is that a data thing? Is it, are you looking at, um at numbers? Are you t- taking stories from people? Are you, how, how do you know that it's working? We've got, you've done it. You've got people working on their routines and making different choices. And then how do you know that you've actually had an impact?
3: you can use your data your school-wide data right we, mm-hmm. we encourage teams to go back after a couple of months to see where those risk ratios or risk indices whatever mm-hmm. my, metrics are using like how are those looking um and see if it's still that same time behavior yeah. you know like all the characteristics that you know yeah. and it might not be the same one it might be another one popping up um right. You can also think about it in terms of self-reflection and and in terms of the teacher. How is that routine feeling for you after you've been trying this for a while? Um, We definitely have conversations with teachers about it. Um, And also I think about it like when we're teaching this to to students, you know, Um, just bringing it down, like how do you know it's, you know, you're not, you're not making, your actions are not making things worse for you or for for those around you um usually you can continue to be in that space or um interacting with that person in a different way um Mm -hmm. you know there's the typical response wouldn't be there (laughs) yeah
2: yeah I'm I'll just chime in here and say that like I think there's there's a there's a tangible kind of emotional difference to how you feel about interactions after that point too, right? Like if you if you interrupt your normal flow that you think has maybe not been very positive, specifically with an individual student, I think about this at home too. If I'm able to interrupt what I know is going to be like a terse corrective kind of uh, interaction and think to reframe it, like pause, you know, you take your breath, uh, you reframe it as they're learning Mm -hmm. how can I make this instructional as opposed to like kind of just putting them down or or trying to trying to dissuade (laughs) trying to dissuade them from doing something that is you know defiant or whatever um if if I can make that decision one that is instructive gives the student maybe an alternative gives the student another out gives me an out to delay and then make that a a positive interaction later a, a building interaction as opposed to one that's tearing down Um, Yeah, I I think that's I think that's tangible for people. So that's not I'm very data minded, but that's not (laughs) you're not not tracking that. It's just kind of things about your But you
0: know it when it's happening, right? Like you know Mm -hmm. that things how things feel when you walk into a classroom when you're in the moment or whatever. You just know that something's different. It feels better, and it's hard to describe that with numbers. Sometimes you just know that it's working.
3: I think a a question
1: that was just occurring to me as we were, and we, if if this is off topic, we can come back to it, but what about when a student is highly, you know, highly escalated and we're at a point where a student is unsafe, are there different strategies that you you would use? I mean, we've talked about um, de-escalation on another podcast, but I'm just wondering, do neutralizing routines come into play? When you um, have a student that is being unsafe, or does it kind of go into I don't know a different? I, I won't try and answer my own question.
3: <laughs> I do think that's a great question. You know, you, you do that. Uh, I think of you know teachers, uh, doctors, just people that are responding to situations that are like highly stressful. You know, I do see a benefit to taking similar strategies as you are regulating yourself to be able to help this student or keep them safe or you know like how you're keeping yourself centered or grounded in that moment so that you might have to take care of your other students you know depending on like what is you know what is going on and I certainly see overlap with when you're managing a crisis Mm -hmm. Because I do think we use similar strategies to, to deal and handle yourself in those moments. What we, you know, cognitively, I don't know that it would be the same. And Mm -hmm. in the sense that for the purpose of a neutralizing routine, we're really talking about, you know, the implicit bias and Mm -hmm. that quick association that Mm -hmm. we know just takes seconds and you're giving yourself about 28 seconds to go from the automatic brain to one that has a little bit of more time Mm -hmm. to consciously change the behavior and in managing crisis i do see the application of similar strategies but that event it's longer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're required. You know, they're you know, you might have to be following this. You're, you're regulating yourself to follow a plan that might already be in place for for such situations.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So I do see the similarities, mm-hmm. um, but I but I want to highlight a difference in yeah. terms of for what they're use it feels like
0: we're in a venn diagram situation where we've got like the (laughs) strategies are the same but the context is different and um and so while we might need to take a beat for ourselves in both situations one is to like really reassess our own internal state and get ourselves to making like you were saying conscious decisions and the other is to keep ourselves regulated so that we are better able to help a student and support a student in the middle of a crisis.
3: Right, and then both both are you, so that you're supporting the student either way. Because yes, our exactly. actions are still having an effect on the student, whether yes. it's implicit bias or not. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's implicit bias, like the consequences of our actions cumulatively like have a big impact on those students' outcome just like a in a crisis situation you know the way that we handle a crisis situation have an impact on how long it takes to deescalate a student yeah. you know the amount of people involved the intensity how we take care of ourselves as well um both of them do have definitely an impact on the students i guess you know um we don't want to lose from perspective that for the neutralizing routine, we're really doing this to stop our biases
0: Mm -hmm. from
3: from having that effect.
0: I, Nat and I, as we were talking about um, all of this, we've so appreciated having the two of you on to talk through vulnerable decision points and implicit bias and the ways that we can disrupt it during the day. And something that um, has come up for us throughout these conversations now and before that we haven't actually vocalized is something that we wanted to check in with you guys about, um, which is that we've got these new terms, right? Implicit bias, unconscious bias, vulnerable decision point. It all sounds pretty easy to talk about. And we wondered if by renaming some of these things or giving them names that feel better, that are we actually just making these conversations more palatable for people rather than really addressing what's actually going on and the harmful effects that these kinds of decisions can have on students and the outcomes that we would hope to see in our schools. And so we wondered if we could just maybe take some time just to reflect personally on um, on that. And like, is that what we're doing or are we doing something else? I don't know. What does this work mean to you and why why should we call it this? Are we making things more palatable?
2: I mean, yeah, I'll acknowledge upfront that this is uh, this is a difficult aspect of the work because um, what we're talking about is trying, you know, through you know through the research that we're doing, through the trainings that we're doing, we're trying to create actionable steps to support educators in reducing uh, the effects of. I I guess what ultimately is systemic racism that's been built into our society, Um, you know, like we're all exposed to these influences that um, generate stereotypes that are often unwarranted, uh, almost always unwarranted in in those cases, Um, and it, it becomes entrenched. And so we're trying to recognize where those entrenched stereotypes might be influencing our decisions. Uh, and so yeah, like ultimately some of the language that we use might uh, might not be as strong as as some might advocate for right but but ultimately what we're getting at here is a theory of change, right? This is the way that we see an opportunity to improve equity in our decisions. And so we find these vulnerable decision points, it gives us it gives us a specific point like oh well I can't tackle the whole of racism in our school but there's this moment where I think I have an opportunity to make a change that is going to reduce that possible impact um, so so yes it, it's I don't think this conversation does justice to the entire conversation of how systemic right. racism affects our students right but it does give us a way forward to improve that situation.
3: Yeah. Um, I agree with what you're saying, Sean. I also think about the work that we do and we're doing most of this work through like teams, right? As we're coaching teams. And I do think of neutral, you know, identifying BDPs and teaching and using neutralizing routines as just... One strategy mm-hmm. um, or entry point um, to working on equity um, within PDIS. Yeah. And just as there is a strategy, there are different ways that we can influence um improving our systems, right? To make them more equitable. And I know that's something that As a center, we we work on putting equity now at the center and thinking and reflecting on what is it to put equity when we're thinking of building systems? So what are what are the types of trainings or the types of conversations that we want to help our professional learning communities to be having or be reflecting on. And of course, these are conversations that are happening with the team and they know their context better. And we know that contexts vary. You know, there are states where you can't even use the word equity yes. right now. So right. of course doing this type of work in a place like that is going to be very different. Um maybe starting with using Language like vulnerable decision point uh-huh. um, might be more of an entry in some of those places because, like you mentioned, it, it's it might at, at a surface level, right? You might not be noticing, or or it might not be picking a lot of attention in that regard. But that's definitely not the only thing that we do. You know, right. we, we work with teams. i thinking about their policies, and we know that explicit bias, unlike implicit bias, there are certain strategies that are more effective to reduce that, and Mm -hmm. some of that is top-down policies where we need our leaders to very explicitly promote equitable um, equity in the language of of how our systems works, right? vulnerable decision points is just one way within the, the data that yeah. we think of our circles right
0: yeah yeah yeah
3: um vulnerable decision points falls kind of like as a strategy within that circle of data um but there you know there are different entry points um as a framework and some may or may not be more explicit than others um and the extent to which we we talk about it um or bring it forward into our schools definitely is gonna vary by context um and intentionality um of where people are at right I think and I'm just speaking for myself and where I'm at professionally at this moment this might change in a year, in five, <laughs> in sure. 20. Sure, sure. Um, but I would not want to not work with a school that might not be ready or might not want to talk about, not that they are not want to talk about equity, but like having everyone on board. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be a huge limitation, right?
0: Yeah, I, right. I, wouldn't, I,
3: I wouldn't want to stop working with a school just because everyone would not be on board, mm-hmm. right? But I know there are strategies that when we do them in certain ways, lead to equitable outcomes. Yes. And I would still want to encourage that work within that system, Um so that we can move in that direction because students are still getting harmed
0: <laughs> yeah
3: whether you know whether we are talking about it or not you know that is happening um so kind of voicing again what Sean said like looking for what are actionable ways that we would we could create some changes and it's hard, honestly. It's very hard, and it's a very polit- political,
0: yeah, <laughs>
3: time. And that's okay, you know. Like that's needed, um, but how do we balance that? You know, um, I don't, I, I don't know. There's, I have a perfect answer for it, but I certainly don't want people to think about VDPs and neutralizing routine, and not knowing that whether it's explicit or implicit bias knowing it's implicit bias we still know that excluding students like Mm -hmm. drop the chances of them finishing school increases their chances of ending interacting with the justice system at a young age and later on Mm -hmm. we we know it has a lot of different implications and we do communicate that yeah um throughout our, our trainings um So just because we're talking about it as implicit bias or just that piece for this particular strategy um, doesn't mean that we are not holding spaces within that same system to encourage reviewing policies, having teachers continue to have conversations about historical context, um, reflect on their own identities, how that may, may be similar or not with other students, you know, this is ongoing work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is ongoing work. And even if you do it one time, you gotta, you know, it it gotta keep going and gotta keep evolving with as a community. So the entry points might be different.
1: It reminds me a little bit of times when um, I've been working with or about to work with schools around positive behaviors for implementing PBIS and been told, don't use the word PBIS. And so it was just thinking about how in this entire conversation, it wasn't until Sean just said systemic racism that we said that word, right? We Mm -hmm. Someone said that out loud. And I remember times when I'd be talking to teachers and I'd say, well, you know, this is what PBIS is. And this is my maybe how you can do some of these things in your classroom. Like, well, I don't I don't need that. You know, things are the, and I said, and a lot of times when teacher would say, teachers would say that, that was the classroom where you walk in and like, you already are doing it. Like, <laughs> you, you are already doing this. And it just makes me think of after, the, if the entry point is talking about VDPs and neutralizing routines, that at some point you'd be able to look at a team or a school and say, We've been addressing systemic racism from the day we started. You know, you can actually come back to it and begin using those words because your entry point was here, and now you're identifying. Do you know what we're really doing? We're actually, we're actually um, working on systemic racism. We're changing our system. So I just, I just kind of like the idea of it as an entry point, but you're still coming back to how can we be more equitable. Um, and you might be able to use the, those bigger words or those, <laughs> those forbidden words <laughs> at
3: a later point. So. And sometimes a team is up for that work. And as it, you know, sometimes like people are in teams because they sure. have more motivation or more wanting to, you know, create these changes, right. They might, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I'm just thinking of how some, sometimes that that's how it works sometimes not, um, but there is a layer of conversations it's like we know our faculty and they're not there yet mm-hmm. um and they're 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 the expect expert in the in their context right um so we do think strategically about those things for sure um but you're right you know there, there has you know there gotta be that that coming back to it it's not mentioning a word <laughs> becomes invisible yeah (laughs) if we don't talk about equity if we don't talk about systemic racism you know we could be doing good things but they may or may not go unnoticed and that's when we start also seeing a lot of what is this just when things like just transform into something that they're not (laughs) you know yeah uh-huh. And that can happen even when calling it, you know, we're putting equity at the center and yet what they're doing is not mm-hmm. equity center work. It you morphs know, into can,
0: something different.
3: Right. Morph was the work that yeah. I, yeah. Thank you. Um. So it's, it is important. I, I do think it's super important to be able to say some of these things and, mm-hmm. and, and, and work with a team on these things explicitly. Mm-hmm. Yes yet we're also part of a larger system and sometimes <laughs> like I said you know doing yeah. work in different states right now yeah how do you do equity work in those states mm-hmm. when you're not mm-hmm. even allowed to talk about it so yeah. definitely the strategies become different um, yeah. in those spaces just to move stuff forward that are going to have some level of impact right or or, or Be be create better systems for your students, right? Mm -hmm. Even though we're not allowed, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We can lose our jobs. We can, I don't know, it's funny for having certain books in our classrooms, you know, like.
0: It's a really, uh, all of this is so helpful to hear you guys talk about it because Mm -hmm. um, it takes us back to when we first started this conversation about why are we even looking at VDPs? And it's because, if we tried to tackle the entirety of the situation, we would be overwhelmed and have nowhere to start. Mm-hmm. So frankly, it gives us that, that entry point like you've been talking about. It gives us a place to, to start from. And, and based on the, the work that you all and others have done, we actually have actions that we can take, steps mm-hmm. that we can take that that move us from identifying this moment in our school that's affecting outcomes to real action and strategies that we can implement like quickly um, to try and affect a change. And then from there, it's like you said, it's not the strategy. This is one thing that we can do and that uh, hopefully you continue the work of centering equity in everything, and you just build upon it, right, that this is one place to start, and that um, you continue to take it further. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that I'm thankful for this conversation today, for everything that you guys have shared with us about these moments in, in the school day, and how we can play a role in affecting change for so many people, but particularly for ourselves and for students. So, Thanks for thank thanks for having these conversations with thank us. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having us. Yeah,
3: thanks, thanks
2: for having us and giving us a chance to uh, I don't know, spread spread the word on this work. This is this is important. It, I think it gives opportunities for teachers to run and, and try things right away. And so I think yeah, Maria's Maria's paper is a great reference for those. Yeah,
0: good. I agree. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah.